Welcome to the Concordia Publishing House podcast, where we consider everything in the light of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm your host, Elizabeth Pittman. The Bible contains many love stories, but the account of the prophet Hosea and his unfaithful wife, Gomer, wins the prize for the most surprising. In her new Bible study, God's Relentless Love, author Sharla Fritz digs deep into the book of Hosea. We're glad to have Sharla back on the podcast today. Welcome back, Sharla. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. It's wonderful to be here. We're glad to have you back. We had a great conversation a couple of months ago about your study on waiting, and that has received um, a lot of great feedback and a lot of downloads. And so for our listeners, after you listen to this episode, I encourage you to jump back and listen to the one on waiting because you, you won't regret it. So how are things going for you? Everything good right now? Everything is, is really good right now. Um, we're, we're doing well. My family is doing well. When we talked last time, you were waiting for your daughter and her family to return from China, if I remember correctly. I trust they made it safely? Yes. Finally, in August, they were able to get flights uh, from China back to the U.S. And so we've been enjoying a lot of fun time um, being together again, having just last night, we had a birthday party for one of the grandsons and he was so excited because it, it was his eighth birthday and it was the first time he got to celebrate his, his birthday in America. So he was really happy. Oh, that's gotta be exciting. So we're glad that, that your family is back together again, safely. So as we think about this new study, which I think is fantastic, and I love the cover. The cover is, for our listeners, um, you'll see it when you click the link in the show notes, but it's really a a very bold red and gray and white, kind of geometric geometric pattern cover. It's very striking. Um, What drew you to write a study on the book of Hosea? Often I read through the Bible in a year following one of those read through the Bible plans. And usually when I got to the book of Hosea, I would be confused. I would just kind of skim through it. I'm like, I don't get this. I didn't take the time to figure out all the metaphors and the imagery. But one year as I was got, as I got to Hosea again, finally it, made sense to me. God made the words come alive to me and I saw it for what it really is. A picture of God's relentless love for us, especially in the real life example of Hosea and his wife Gomer was finally it just clicked. And so I wanted to have the opportunity to dig into it more. So I think that's why I wanted to write this study. Well, it, it definitely is a complicated and often rather cryptic book. And I, I can understand how that would scare some folks from really wanting to dig into it. Why should we not be afraid to give it a try? You might not see it right away, but it is constantly reminding us of God's unfailing love for us. In between all of the times that Hosea is giving dire warnings to the Israelites, God is still trying to tell the Israelites that he loves them and he wants them to come back to him. And so I think that's why we need to read it, because even though we've fallen away, we've messed up, 
God is still continuing to reach out to us, tell us about his love. He's continually wants to draw us to himself. Sometimes I think it's hard for us to get over ourselves and, and, and recognize that that's what he wants. I think we can often get too wrapped up in our own, you know, guilt or our own thoughts and, and, resist that. But I, I like how you set it up in the study that we really should lean into the fact that God loves us with this relentless love that we're not going to find anywhere else. One of the things you do really well in the book is you spend some time um, giving us a glimpse into the importance of the historical context, which is important because it makes it helps make everything make a little bit more sense. Can you give us a sense of that historical context? Sure. Uh, Hosea lived in the 700s BC, and these were the days of the divided kingdom of Israel. So after King Solomon, the northern tribes of Israel rebelled against Solomon's son, Rehoboam, and started following King Jeroboam I, who led the people into idolatry. All of the kings of the northern kingdom did evil in the sight of the Lord, as the first Kings says. And God sent prophets like Elijah and Elisha to draw the people back to worship the true God, but the nation continued to decline. And so God sends Hosea, among other prophets, to continually call out to them to repent. But through this prophet, God warns the kings and the people that their time is almost up. God is going to send the Assyrians to destroy their nation. Now, in February, right before the pandemic hit our, our country and Israel, my husband were able to travel to Israel and see some of the sites that Hosea mentions. So we saw the beautiful Valley of Jezreel, and the reason that Jezreel is important is because God named one of Hosea's sons Jezreel. This was to indicate that the judgment was coming against the kings who lived and created much bloodshed in that valley. It's a beautiful valley now, but in those days, it was a constant reminder of the bloodshed that, was, that happened there. And we also saw, saw the Shrine of Dan, which is in the northern part of Israel. And the, at Dan is where the first king of Israel, King Jeroboam I, built a shrine with a golden calf. He didn't want his people to go back to Jerusalem to worship because he thought he might lose his constituents that way. So he set up a golden calf and said, you don't have to go to Jerusalem anymore. You can worship right here. And what is amazing is you can still see this platform where the golden calf was. You can still see that today. Wow. It's really amazing. And then we saw the city of Lachish, which is actually in the what would have been the southern kingdom of Judah. But you can see the ramp that the Assyrians built to conquer this city. The Assyrians eventually conquered the northern kingdom of Israel, which is primarily what Hosea um, prophesied to. But this amazing ramp is, it's just astounding to see that we can 
still see something that was built in the 700s BC. And a reminder that the Assyrians were going to destroy Israel. We also took a trip to Jerusalem and we walked through Hezekiah's tunnel, which Hezekiah built to bring water from outside Jerusalem into the city when the Assyrians had Jerusalem under siege. So, um, and so I made some videos while there and my husband was the cameraman for me. <laughs> and we, we made a few videos just uh, so that some of, you know, so readers can also see these amazing sites and help, it'll help you visualize the events in the book too. Those videos are gonna be very helpful for adding that visual context. And so I think I've, I've had a chance to take a look at them and it really is a neat way to add some depth to our understanding of what we're studying. So thank your husband, the cameraman for that. <laughs> so we appreciate him doing a little bit of work on your trip. Yes. <laughs> In the book you talk, um, it's a repeating theme that you have throughout the chapters of encouraging us as readers to quote, live like we are loved. How can we live like we are loved today? This is really my prayer for everyone who reads this book. I think we tend to think of God in terms of a rule giver, maybe um, a fun spoiler, but God wants us to see him as, as our husband. He uses that marriage relationship throughout the book of Hosea as a picture of our relationship with him. And he wants us to live like we're loved. Satan and the world will also always try to get us to view God more as the fun spoiler and the rule giver, because then our relationship with him will become more of a duty and an obligation. But if we live like we're loved and realize God's unfailing love for us, then all of the Bible reading, prayer, all of those things will flow out of that love. He will fill our hearts with love and we will want to share it with other people. And instead of forcing ourselves to do good works, it will come naturally when we live in that love. Um, Theolog I have this wonderful quote by Henry Nouwen who, who said, my true spiritual work is to let myself be loved fully and completely. And I just love that because it's just a reminder that when we soak up that love, then everything else will naturally flow out of it. So what can we learn from Hosea and Gomer's relationship about this relentless love our God has for us? Well, sometimes I actually feel sorry for Hosea because <laughs> God, God not only asked him to preach to the Israelites, but he asked Hosea to be a living object lesson. He said, go and marry a wife of whoredom and take her as, as your wife and have children with her because the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. And I can easily imagine Hosea saying something like, Lord, are you sure about this? <laughs> uh, marry a prostitute? Uh, how can you guarantee that she'll be faithful to me? She's already been unfaithful. And the Lord said, well, 
you know, that's kind of the point. Uh, Israel has been unfaithful to me, and I want everybody to see through your relationship with her that no matter what happens, you're still going to love her. And um, that's what I see for Israel, too. The Lord is constantly loving Israel, even though Israel is abandoning their relationship with him. And at one point in the story, Gomer actually leaves Hosea again after they've had children. She leaves him again, and Hosea has to go and buy her back. We don't know exactly if she got into debt or what happened, but he had to go and pay money for what was already his. And doesn't that sound familiar? God created us as his own. We ran off from him and God had to buy back what was his own. He bought us back with the precious blood of Jesus. Um, so that whole picture of Hosea and Gomer reminds us of, that God will go to any length to draw us back to him. Sometimes in his pursuit of us, it may feel to us like his love is punishment, um, which we may not like that, but he has a purpose for that. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, in the book, I include some real life, contemporary, relentless love stories that my friends and family have allowed me to share. And one of the stories is my cousin Donna, who uh, has been taking care of her mother lately because her mother has developed rather serious dementia. And my cousin tells me that sometimes she has to act like the parent for her mother, telling her mother to do things that her mother doesn't want to do. But she has to tell it, tell her to do these things because they're good for her. And that's the same way God treats us. He does it out of love. He tells us to do things that are good for us, even though we may not see it. But he does it out, out of love. And sometimes that discipline happens because we have messed up and he wants us to repent and come back to him. You know, sometimes bad things in our lives happen just because we are living in a broken world. But it's so reassuring that God can use those things, even those things, to draw us closer to him, to remind us how much we need him. And because we're in a broken world, we have we all have weaknesses. Most of us probably don't like to share those widely with the world, but God will still work through those weaknesses. How does the book of Hosea help show us how God, God in his relentless love will use our weaknesses? The Israelites, they got themselves into trouble because they didn't want to admit their weaknesses and rely on the Lord. So they tried everything instead of going to the Lord. They worshiped Baal and Ashtaroth. I think they, they were thinking, well, if worshiping one God is good, maybe worshiping some more will be even better. So they worshiped all kinds of God, the Canaanite gods. And then they that didn't even work. So then they thought, well, we have to get the 
Assyrians to help us to, they tried to get everything all in a row and their own efforts instead of trying to go to God. And what God just wants us to do is to come to him and admit that we need him, that we are weak on our own. He delights in helping us. So his, his love for us is um, just outpouring and continually drawing us to him. How, how can we recognize our modern day idols? Because we all have them and work to turn away from them so that we stay focused on God. When we read those chapters in Hosea where the prophet is confronting Israel on their idols, it's tempting to think that those chapters don't really apply to us because we don't worship a golden calf or bow down to a carved figure. But I love this quote by Martin Luther who said, a God is that to which we look for all good and in which we find refuge in every time of need. That to which your heart clings and entrusts itself is, I say, really your God. So an idol is anything that captures our heart, anything that becomes more important to us than God. So in the book, I ask some kind of difficult questions based on the what Hosea is giving to the Israelites. So some questions like, where does most of your money go? You know, um, I've heard it say, said that our checkbooks or our credit card statements can indicate what is most important to us. Um, other questions like, what do you make financial sacrifices for? What do you trust in for security and validation, your own efforts or God? And uh, thinking about your last week, who or what got most of your attention? Those kinds of questions can, are, they're not fun to ask, but they can help us identify our own heart idols and then God invites us to repent and return to him and receive that forgiveness. He, he gladly restores our relationship with him. It is sobering when you take a look at those questions and you let yourself honestly answer them because we all have things that we should be turning away from, um, that it's, it's hard. Um, but it's, it's a wonderful thing that we have our God who doesn't give up on us um, and forgives us. So as we look at the story at the, of Hosea, what is the happy ending? The happy ending of I will love them freely applies to us too, because God doesn't demand that we jump through certain hoops in order to earn his love. He is love. And because of that, he offers that to us constantly. In the study guide, I suggest that participants end the study with a wedding to picture themselves as God's beloved. I love how the scriptures continually call us God's beloved, God's 
um, my delight is in her, God sought out. When we embrace our identity as the one that God loves and desires to be with, it changes us. Satan will always try to get us to view God as the fun spoiler because then our relationship becomes that obligation. But God, he truly wants you to view him as your lover, as your husband, as your confidant. He wants to, us to open up our hearts to him and have that intimate relationship with, with him. And so we can have that happy ending in heaven with him. And that is a happy ending indeed. You mentioned the study guide and in your study guide, not only do you have questions, but you provide projects at a couple of places you encourage um, using music. Do you like to listen to music when you write? You know, when I first started writing, I thought I would. I'm, I'm a musician too. And I thought, oh, this will be a wonderful opportunity to listen to music. But I think because I'm a musician, it's distracting for me. Even classical music without words, I find myself, oh, I like that piece and I don't <laughs> keep my mind on my writing. But what I've been doing lately is when I'm writing, it, I set a timer and then when the timer goes off, I take a few minutes to listen to a song, maybe a, a one about God's relentless love. And that kind of centers me and grounds me it helps me not to do the writing in order to prove myself or gain attention for myself, but to do it for God and out of love for him. That's one of the beautiful things about our hymnody and is that our, our hymns are so are such great proclaimers of the gospel mm. where you really can hear that throughout the hymns. Um, are there certain hymns or songs that if you were making your Relentless Love playlist that you would include on that? I am actually going to make a God's Relentless uh, playlist. And I have many songs listed in the study guide, but some of my favorites are the song Love Came Down by Carrie Job. That one always touches my heart, even though I've heard it many times. It almost always makes me cry out of just joy. And then a favorite hymn is The King of Love, My Shepherd Is. I like that one a lot, too. I love the tune. Yeah, I love the tune and I love the words. I think I'll have that stuck in my head for the rest of the day, which is not a bad thing. So, mm -hmm. Well, for our listeners, this study will be available in December. We'll have a link in the show notes where you can learn more. You can download, download a sample of the study and kind of keep up to date as we approach its release, um, but it's going to be a great study for folks to do individually or with a group. Um, and I think in the group conversation, there will be some fun conversations about the various love stories that the members have experienced in their own lives and then in relation to the book of Hosea. So I think that will be a really, it'll set, set the stage for some great conversations. So thank you for the, the work that you put into this new Bible study, God's Relentless Love, Charlotte, because it, it really is, it's going to be a good one. Thank you. I hope that will be a blessing to many people. Thanks for joining us today, folks. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Concordia Publishing House podcast. I pray that this time was valuable to your walk with Christ. 
We'd love to connect with listeners on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Concordia Pub. Visit cph.org for more resources to grow deeper in the gospel.